0: Well, are you passionate? Are you ready? Because it's time to get in His Word and continue this series. And uh, some of you are like, I don't know what's about to happen. Well, I can, I can tell you it's going to be good, because God's Word is good, amen? amen. So we, uh, we are in a series called Passionate, Winning at Love. And last week we established love goals. And what are some of the things as we look at the Word of God that help us to understand what winning really looks like? You know, when we think about winning in relationships, uh, it's often... Uh, you know, maybe competitive mindsets enter in, and and all of this stuff that is just not what it means to actually follow Jesus and win. So I'd encourage you, if you missed that, to check it out on our website. Today, I just want to remind you, it is a PG-13 rated series, and uh, that is because there are things within Song of Solomon that you will see even today create new conversations. And so we think that the Bible should be taught in its fullness, and that we should also be equipping our youth and our kids, and parents, that's your job to come alongside of them and to have those conversations, because if you're not, the world is, amen? So as we uh, open this up, you could turn to Song of Solomon chapter 2, and I want to read to you verse 1 and 2. Remember, this is an interaction between a king, Solomon, and his bride-to-be, the princess, And uh, much of what we see is their interaction, we also see the voice of friends that enter in at different times in the eight chapters as well. Uh, Today in the first two verses, we hear from her and then him, she says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. As a lily, he says, among brambles, so is my love among the young women. And so there's this interaction that begins as they begin to talk about how they see each other. And one of the things that you'll notice is they aren't trying to correct or change the other. Here we go. Here we go. It's interesting, isn't it, how we often think of what other people need to fix and the changes they need to make rather than looking in the mirror at the one that actually might need to change that we have the control over. Okay? So throughout this, there's these moments where they're encouraging and they're speaking life and love over each other, and you're going to see that a lot in chapter 2. That's why uh, the big idea today is cultivating healthy relationships. But before we dive into some of those principles, I want to just make sure you are on the same page with I am. Victor Frank said this, When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. When we're no longer able to change a situation or a person, we're challenged to change ourselves. That's a great starting point today as we think about how do we cultivate healthy relationships. It's going to begin by listening to the Lord about what he might want to change in you. The changes in you often lead to the changes in the people around you. But if we're focused on them and not us, we're going to get stuck in probably a crazy cycle. I should pray. I feel like I should pray. Let me pray and then we'll get further into this. Father, we love you and thank you. I thank you for your love. I thank you that you are so passionate about us and us being healthy and whole. And Father, today as we talk about what it means to cultivate healthy relationships, there's changes that you want to bring. And it would be so tempting to try to project those onto other people when maybe, in fact, you're saying you need to change. Jesus, uh, we just give you this space. Holy Spirit, may you work through your word, and may we all be closer to you and transformed on the other end. Begin even now new journeys of what it means to follow you and to be healthy. We thank you. May your word speak loudest in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. So the conversation goes on, verses 3 through 7. She says this, As an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. With great delight I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house. That would be a place of celebration, a place of feasting, a place of joy. You know, think of like a wedding reception, right? He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. I want to just sit there for a minute. When you think about you and your relationships, whether you're single, dating, or married, what would be the banner over that relationship? Is it love? Is it health? Is it other things? Is it toxicity, dysfunction? Like, if you were actually to name what the banner over that relationship is, sometimes developing awareness Sometimes acknowledging what it is, and then our role in that, can begin to lead to change. We have to be honest, amen? Four of you. <laughs> so, he brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. She says, sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples. She's saying, get me a Cliff Bar. like Get, get, get me an energy snack, I need something, right? for i am sick with love his left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me i adjure you o daughters of jerusalem by the gazelles or the doze of the field that you do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases if you're taking notes cultivating healthy relationships the first point here we're going to look at some cultivating language today so the first point is to plant to plant health By trusting God's love and God's timing. Both of those are being played out here and are so critical for us to understand that first and foremost, to be healthy, we want to receive seeds of God's love. You know, this is also an allegory. So in many ways, when it says a banner over me is love and he brought me into the banqueting house, you can picture how God sees us as his beloved and wants to invite us into that to trust his love first and foremost. Secondly, is to also trust his timing. Did you notice verse 7 said, Don't awaken love? Uh, you know, when you awaken love before it's too soon, you invite in potentially desires, issues, and problems that can get in the way of actually being healthy. You can build the relationship on the wrong things. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says this in verse 6 and 7. This is for those that might be single or dating and establishing whatever those boundaries need to look like. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul says, Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I am myself, but each has his own gift from God, each one of you, and one, each one of a kind and one of another. Paul was single and would remain single because God was using him in ways that he had the gift of singleness. If you're taking notes, singleness is a great season for personal growth and kingdom impact. Some of you that are single are like, "No, it's not. <clears throat> it's not. It it sucks. Can I? It stinks." Is that a better way of saying it? Some of you are going to send me an email. That's okay. I'll I'll ignore it. Um, <laughs> just kid, just kidding. <laughs> My, maybe we'll see. Um, <laughs> But, but, but you know what I mean, singleness is hard, it's not fun, it, it is something that, that if that's where you're at, just know that a reframing of it isn't to say that it, that it isn't what God may have for you, right, because that's the other thing is to realize that God may say, hey, this is what I've called you to in this time. We need to quit elevating marriage and relationships in a way that negates what Paul said here, Paul was actually saying that it's okay to be called to singleness to impact the kingdom in greater ways. That's something we need to to not look at single folks and think something's wrong with them. Amen, single people? Okay? And, And so singleness can be a season for real growth with the Lord and also for kingdom impact because, guess what? You don't have some of the responsibilities that a relationship pulls on and, and, and takes away from sometimes what you want to do for ministry. By the way, uh, I, I'm a, a pastor with a marriage and four children that are all still in the house. So if you're like, where is he? Sometimes I'm with my family. Because I have responsibilities. I'm not sure you're getting what I'm trying to drop here. Let me just be blunt. I can't be at everything because I have to put my marriage and my kids as the main priority. Right? It's the season we're in. If I was single, I'd have a whole lot more time to be here. Does that make sense? This is kind of what Paul is getting at. So we have to understand singleness in a healthier manner, in a biblical manner. So if you're single or you're in a dating relationship and trying to figure some of that out, let me ask you this. Because your trust in God is meant to grow in this season, what are you doing with your time right now? Like, are you using your time to grow with the Lord, to get healthier, and to have kingdom impact? Because that may be what you need to hear today is that actually God wants you to use your time in a more redeeming and kingdom-impacting way. Now, the second thing that Paul goes on to say in verse 8 and 9 of that same chapter, uh, is this. He says, To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. All right, some of you just went, oh boy. All right. Second point under this is sexual desire is like fire and we can get burnt. There is something she's saying in verse 7, don't awaken love before it's too soon, because there's a desire that can begin to burn within you that's for the love that would lead to physical interaction. God created sex, Yes? yes? He created it to be blessed in the confines and the boundaries of marriage, and when we get outside of that, that's where we can get burnt. So what does it look like for that kind of love to awaken? I was thinking back in, in, in our own story. Cindy and I are coming up in December on 21 years of marriage. Yeah, and uh, it's, it is awesome what God has done. And uh, if I look back, when her and I met, uh, I was actually a trainer at a health club, and, and her sister, uh, she has a twin sister, was one of my first clients, and I know you're looking at me and like, I don't see it. Um, I know, it's, <laughs> it's been 20 years. Give me some grace here, okay? Uh, again, I don't have time to work out as much as some of you. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so I'm a trainer at a health club. I meet Cindy. And uh, it, w- it was not like love at first sight for either of us, she was in a season where she was appreciating her singleness and, and the, the ability to grow with Jesus and have kingdom impact. Uh, I, on the other hand, had been in that season and felt like it was, it was kind of time, but if she's not going to give me time, then surely there's some other you know, Christian women out there, and so I, I was a little bit of a Christian player. Um, so <laughs> So, so we get to June of, of 2000. This is when this is all happening. And uh, her, her twin would not give up on getting us together. So I showed up to a taco party at their house. And I said, we're all the guests. And she said, ha, it's you two. She kept trying to, like, get us together. And so it was like a week or two later. They invited me over to play tennis on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, it actually was June 10th of 2000. I looked it up. Because that day, we played about two and a half hours of tennis. They, uh, one of the uh, guys on the court was a, a teaching pro. There were two college tennis players, my wife and her sister. And then me, just an athlete that thought he was competitive and learned that I was not. I got my tail kicked that day. All over the court, two and a half hours. But all I will say is there's something that happened that awakened love. And it started to burn in me. In a way that said, whatever it takes to get to know that girl, I'm going to do it. And so actually three years ago, I had this made. This says, Brian and Cindy's love like fire moment. This is the star pattern aligned over Kalamazoo, Michigan on June 10th, 2000. This was actually how the stars aligned. And I had this made for our bedroom. Yeah, oh, you can say aw again, right? Aren't I a great guy? If you're a husband, I'm giving you tips, okay? It's not that hard. It's on social media. You can find it. And, uh, but this, this was our day. And, and here's what happened in that moment, okay? We're, we finished playing tennis. It's June 10th. It's, it's an 80-degree day, and uh, it's hot, and, and we're all exhausted. And they said, hey, we're getting ready to run the Chicago Marathon in the fall. And uh, we're going to run together. We're going to train together. We'll probably go camping together. Guess what word I heard? No, I heard together. (laughs) I heard together. And uh, marathon did not matter. And so I, I literally said to them, well, okay, when do you start? And they said, today. Today's our first day of training. And I said, okay, well, uh, let let me go out on my own and see if I can do it Uh, because I was a little nervous competitive. They just kicked my tail in tennis. I didn't want to get, you know, my tail kicked in uh, running. And uh, so I said, okay, how far is today? And they said eight miles. (laughs) Okay. After two and a half hours of tennis, 80-degree weather, and uh, Kalamazoo, if you didn't know, has a lot of hills. It's a hilly area. I know Florida's flat. There are other places in the world that aren't. And, And so I went out that day. And I'm got, I had never run more. I, I did uh, mainly three-mile runs. That's all I had done. One five-mile, like, six years earlier, right? I went out, and I completed that eight miles because a love had awakened. It was burning in me. And, uh, you know, on the backside, I called them, and I said, hey, I finished it. How'd you guys do? They said, oh, we, we decided to order pizza, eat ice cream, and watch movies. <laughs> That should have been my cue as to what I was getting into to some degree. But uh, that literally led, I'm the guy that ran a marathon to get the girl, okay? And uh, yeah, yeah, I've ran one marathon in my life. And, uh, and I say all that to say, when love awakens, it can cause you to do some crazy things, <laughs> all right? And so be careful with that because you also can get burnt with it. Uh, this is an era where we don't like to talk often about that side of our behavior sexually we we are in an era where it's become about identity not behavior there's a book by Carl L Truman that really describes our current cultural moment I want to read this quote to you because for some of you you have to hear past what you've been hearing in politics and in social media to even understand what I'm getting at here Carl Truman says sexual desire has emerged in the last 100 years as a primary category for understanding our identity. In biblical times or in ancient Greece, sex was regarded as something human beings did. Today it is considered to be something vital to who human beings are. Do you see the difference? This is significant because if it's who we are, then we have to be free and we can't limit that or control that. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says, no, you have an identity in me and that there are parameters and boundaries to how this is supposed to happen and to work. Now, when I was getting to know Cindy, one of the things I appreciated about her is she was so in love with Christ. She was in a season of taking, uh, you know, lots of college classes and working and, and all of that. And uh, it it was interesting because often when we would get together, she was in baggy sweats. I, at one point, was like, what's under there, girl? (laughs) That didn't go well. Because to her credit, she wanted to build the relationship in a healthy manner and in a healthy way. And so she had... So, some standards, some boundaries, some things that, that she didn't want it to be about anything else. What are your convictions if you're a Christ follower? What are the things that in singleness or dating you're committed to? We had to make decisions as we started dating, as we started to have love awakened and, and that desire burning. We had to make decisions. Things like people that might call us or there was no texting back then, so it was a phone call, right? We're going to be together, hold us accountable. Did you know that not a lot of good things happen after 11 o'clock at night? <laughs> so we had a curfew. Grown adults with a curfew. Because we knew we might get into trouble. Too honest? Let me go even further. Take me back to chapter 2, verse 6, real quick. Look at this slide. You'll see it again in chapter 8. I believe it is. There's a verse here that's interesting that also has, I think, to do with some boundaries that we may need to set. It says, His left hand is under my head and His right hand embraces me. Now, if we're vertical, that makes sense. But as soon as I do this, it changes everything, doesn't it? And we all get very uncomfortable. One of the standards that may need to be said is to stay vertical and not be horizontal. Ooh, pastor. Man. Like, if we can get real about what's really going on, that's when we're going to find breakthroughs. Amen? And so as you look at this, trusting God's love, trusting his timing, and defining the things the way that he does. So important. Now, the next section, to lower the temp a little bit, is gonna get into more words, more encouragement, more affirmation and and love from her. And and I wanted to show you a video because oftentimes there's things being missed in translation between male and female, especially husband and wife, it can be confusing. And so I thought we'd have a little bit of fun uh, around that. Let's play this video about dearest husbands.
1: Dearest husbands, what the moms want is not that difficult. We want to be alone? But we also want you to want us. But we don't want to be touched. Unless we want to cuddle. And we're hungry for pizza and french fries. But we also know we're supposed to be eating healthy. And we want our kids to leave us the heck alone. But we also want to love all over them and have them climb all over us and we can go play together. And we want time with our girlfriends. But we also don't want to leave the house. And we want to vent. But we don't want you to fix it. But we want you to see what you could do in that venting. And take some of that load off of our plate. It's not that hard.
0: Okay, that, that hit a little better than I thought it would, right? Like we can relate. And uh, here's one of the interesting things about Saga Solomon is uh, it, it, the female, the princess, often is taking the lead to initiate and is using uh, more words. In fact, in chapter two, he has one verse, she has the rest of the chapter. Okay, uh, G.L. Carr, a commentator, actually said this, one of the unusual features of the song is the major place the words the girl, of the girl have in it. Of the 117 verses in the book, 55 are directly from her. Uh, they're, her lips and another 19 are probably assigned to her. In the song, as in much of other ancient Near Eastern love poetry, the woman is the one who takes the initiative and who is the more outspoken. Okay, Now some of you, like this is opposite of what we often are taught in in the West and what we want and, and all of those things, but the point is cultivating a healthy relationship. So whoever is taking the initiative and the lead, as long as Christ is in the center of that, that can be a positive thing. Let's see how she does this, picking up in verse 8. She says, The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. <laughs> Come on, men. You know, <laughs> w- wouldn't you like to hear her say that to you, right? <laughs> Not her, but whoever your significant other is, to be clear. "...behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice." I'll be honest, first time I read that, I'm like, my boy's a peeping Tom. <laughs> like, what, what is he doing, right? I'll come back to that, and we'll, we'll redeem it a little, okay? Uh, she goes on, "...my beloved speaks and says to me, "'Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. "'For behold, the winter is past; the rain is over and gone.'" The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, the voice of the turtle dove is hear, heard in our land, the fig tree ripens its figs and the vines are in blossom, they give forth fragrance, arise my love, my beautiful one, and come away, I mean, woo, she is after him, right? There's this healthy relationship that is being initiated. She says, oh my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliffs, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. If you're taking notes here, cultivating healthy relationships, our second principle, so we want to plant seeds of trust in in God's timing and love. We also want to fertilize the relationship with care and attention. We want to fertilize the relationship with care and attention. When she talks about him leaping as a deer, as a young stag, uh, that's talking about closing the gap. Closing the gap in the relationship that he's willing to, as she initiates, to say, yes, let's connect. Let's talk. Let's face each other. Some of our relationships just need a little bit more face time. If you're married, that may be some of what you need to hear is you got to close the gap. You need to spend more time face-to-face, not just side-to-side, not, not even back-to-back, that we're still together but in opposition, but face-to-face. So that's what the, the leaping indicates, the gazing. To redeem that a little bit, as she is saying that he's looking through the lattice, he's you know, gazing at her. In many ways, you can think of it this way. She was saying, I know he's noticing me. He's prioritizing me. He's paying attention to me. It's actually Dallas Willard that uh, said that the first act of biblical love is the paying of attention. And and so if you think about this, we want to fertilize the relationship by paying attention and inviting in conversations that we need in order to be healthy. Now, as you think about that, in Luke 13, there's a moment where Jesus comes across a tree that, that should be bearing fruit, that should be healthy, but it isn't, and here's what he says. He tells this parable about it, verse uh, 6 through 9 of Luke 13. Jesus says, "'A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, "'Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. "'Cut it down. "'Why should it use up the ground?' And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year also, say year, year, Year. until I dig around it and put on manure, that's fertilizer, right? Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. One of the things we're doing during this series is offering you some exercises. We'll put up a slide here. Uh, You can download our booklet, uh, love booklet at at pathwayvb.com. That booklet has exercises that are designed to help fertilize, whether you're single, dating, or married, a relationship. And and when you think of this principle that Jesus is saying is, hey, you know, cultivate it, put some fertilizer on it, give it a year. This helps right size many of us. Because for some of us, we want everything to happen in a microwave society like this. And the truth is that may not be the speed and often isn't the speed at which God actually is working, that it might take a year. But if you put in the time, you do the work, God can do a lot in one year, amen? And so this week's exercise uh, is actually very fitting with the interaction between him and her. It's the five love languages And, and really beginning to understand if we're in a relationship what is your primary love language? Maybe your secondary. How do you receive love? How do you share and speak that? And then here's where this is really helpful. If you're single, knowing that allows how you interact with others in both friendships, in family, in the workplace. These actually play out in significant ways. So, so these love languages, I want to encourage you, take the time to work on that this coming week And to continue to cultivate the relationships. Now, she goes on in verse 15, it says this Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. If you're taking notes here, cultivating healthy relationships, we wanna plant, we wanna fertilize, and then we also need to catch the little foxes. The little foxes bite and tear at the vineyard. And can ruin the actual harvest. What does this mean as far as little foxes? It means issues. And if you don't think you have issues in your life or in the relationship with another, it's likely you're the one that has the issues, right? Like if you think, oh yeah, we're good, we don't have any issues. Well, it's probably that you're their issue. Ooh, that hit too close to home. We all have issues to work on. Little foxes that need attention, need care. And as you think about what this might mean in your life, I believe that that we need to know it's normal, but it's not normal to leave it undone and to not work on it. So if you're taking notes, working on our issues isn't meant to create fights about who is right or wrong. It's to define the right fight so we can get healthy together. Does this make sense? This is so important because you're going to find issues in yourself that need to come before God. You're going to find issues in the relationship. And it's tempting to make it about the other person and to say it's they're wrong, I'm right. And and if we get stuck in that standoff, We actually miss the opportunity to have defined the right fight and to allow God to help us get healthy. God is in the restoration business. He knows we're all wrong. That's why he sent Jesus, who's all right. Okay. So again, there's things that God may be saying, hey, I want you to work on this little fox in your life or the relationship. Susan, that you heard from earlier in the service, I had asked her, hey, what are some of the little foxes that you've seen in, in your time with Celebrate Recovery and in, in, in ministry and in leadership? Here's what she said. She said, the little foxes in our lives and the disguises they wear to throw our life into a ditch on any given day, they're sly as a fox. That's no coincidence, right? She says, anger, abuse, isolation, depression, food, Low self-esteem, anxiety, worry, doubt, fear, broken relationships, gambling, and the list goes on and on and on. There are things that even a ministry, again, I want to remind you, Celebrate Recovery is for anyone who has issues. And we all have issues. There is something God can do to cultivate health when we're willing to say We need to work on this. Now, for you, it may not be a Celebrate Recovery. You may say, we need to go to counseling. We need to go find a life coach. We need to find a marriage counselor. Maybe there's other ways or avenues, but at the end of the day, we all need to define the right fight and allow the Lord to work on us. Amen? So as you think about this, the last two verses, 16 and 17, Catch the little foxes. This is the last bit. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He grazes among the lilies until the day breathes and the shadows flee. Turn, say turn. Turn, turn my beloved. Be like a gazelle or a young stag on cleft mountains. I can't read that word stag without thinking stud. I'm sorry. I, I, that's, my, that's Pastor Brian's translation. So, so verse 16 and 17, right? My beloved is mine. There, there's a security in the relationship. There's a health there. As they're cultivating this, and as you're thinking about it, there's also, she's saying, turn to me. And, and I want to make sure we don't miss this. Because there's a turning, a pivoting that needs to often happen so we can face each other, but that so we can also turn to him. You see, the real turn is this. It's the turn to the Lord individually and in a relationship that that actually when you begin to understand you're his beloved and you turn towards him, that's what's going to lead to transformation. That's what's going to lead to change. At that point, it's no longer on you to change. Like you may be somebody going, I don't know how to change. Well, that's the starting point is to let go and say, "I, I can't. But if I turn to the Lord, he's going to help me make the changes that are needed. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul delivers this beautifully. This is where I'll finish today. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let's just pause there. The Apostle Paul had laid out For 11 chapters, the gospel, the the reality of who Jesus is, that that he's the son of God, that he died, that he rose again, that, that actually we have struggles in chapter 7, and in verse 8 he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to set you free. That as we walk through all of that, you're appointed, you're called, you're destined. And he says, therefore, because of all of that, turn to the Lord, turn to him. He loves you and has a plan for you. Verse 2 then, it says, do not be conformed to the world. Next slide. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So when we turn, God begins to reveal more of his will, more of his plans, but he also begins to transform us. And that's part of cultivating a healthy relationship is to remember, and you're gonna hear this throughout the series, that it's, yes, there's a relationship between a king and a princess and it matters and there's a lot we can learn. But it's ultimately about your relationship with the Lord and will you turn to him? Will you turn to him and say, I I wanna get healthy, I wanna have healthy relationships. And so the next step questions as you think about this today. Are you cultivating a healthy relationship with God and with those you love? Are you cultivating it, which means putting the time in, being intentional, doing the work, showing up, and being in the spaces where God can do his work? Secondly, which of the four actions do you need to focus on? Do you need to focus in this season on the planting? You know, trusting God's love and timing, setting the right boundaries, Do you need to fertilize? Or maybe you need to catch some foxes because until you catch those foxes, and and actually that doesn't translate really well in modern society, does it? Some of you men are like, hey, he's saying go catch a fox. That's not what I'm saying. The little foxes are the issues, right? Or do you need to turn? Does it actually mean today you just need to turn to the Lord and say, I don't even know where to begin. I need his help. So I'm gonna pray us into a time to respond. We're gonna sing a song together. And what I've been envisioning during this time as the the band comes out is that there are people that because of what you're hearing, this is your moment where God is saying, I want you to, I want you to come forward and and be prayed for, to be prayed with. I want you to acknowledge that you're turning to the Lord. And so I, I just want to give you that invitation today, that strongly to say myself, some of our other leaders, we'll be available and up here, and we would love to pray over you individually or over a relationship. Anything you might need prayer for, let's turn to him today. As we continue into this series, this is a great moment to turn, amen? So Father, we love you, we praise you, we come to you now, and we just thank you that you care about our health, our wholeness, that you sent your son Jesus That we are your beloved. And Father, we confess that we often are resisting the change that you want to bring. That we're listening to the world and not you. So Father, I just pray right now that you would allow us to set aside all distractions to turn to you. To allow you to lift us to new places. Holy Spirit, come. Dwell richly in this moment. I pray over those that are single that, Father, there would just be a sense of you being with them in a new and in a fresh way. For those that are dating, to want to do it your way, to not play with fire. And, Father, for those that are married, to decide we're going to cultivate a healthy relationship. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Bless this moment and this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand, we're going to worship and respond. You are welcome during this song. If you'd like prayer to come forward, and we want to pray with you and for you, whatever that looks like, whatever it is.
1: Honestly, whatever the Spirit's been doing in the moment, I just sense... uh, just we need to lean in and be completely dependent on Christ um, with what we've heard today. And this song is about dependence on him and about leaning in and really giving him all of yourself, mind, body, and soul. So as we sing this, um, just encourage you to do that. as We sing this together. Take all
0: experience more of you, your love poured out on us, poured out through us. Continue to bless and be with us, God. We are so grateful and so thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. As we get ready to move and, and to leave, I often say, go now and be the church. And We talk about loving God and loving all people in our pathway. All of those things require a willingness to get out of our comfort zone. And if His Word isn't getting you out of your comfort zone yet, I'm going to push a little bit harder right now. I feel like we need to take a step. So I'm going to ask that wherever you're sitting in this room right now, and if you're online, you can do this with us if it's safe. If you're driving a car, don't do it. But in this room right now, would you just move up a row? Seriously, like I'll wait. I got nowhere else to be right now. Just move up a row or stand in the aisle. I just want to get you out of your comfort zone. I'm moving your cheese. What do you have right now in this moment? You have a new perspective. You have a new view, you're seeing the room and the people around you in a little different way. This is what happens when we allow the Lord to tell us, here's your next step. You, you move and take a step, and suddenly He and those around you begin to look a little bit different. It's a different perspective. You can do this. So I'm going to pray over us that we would take whatever step He is going to show us, If you're here and you're like, I think God wanted me to come forward for prayer and I was too nervous or scared. Or actually, if you're in a relationship and you didn't want to drag them up here, don't drag them. you come. Let the change begin with you, amen? So we're gonna stay here and stay available. But I'm telling you, this series, God is inviting us to more. He's inviting us to take steps and to follow him. He's gonna pour out his passionate love on us And it's going to be contagious, y'all. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this moment. We thank you that as we follow you, you will pour out your love. You are going to rekindle the fire in our walk with you. You're going to rekindle the fire in our relationship with others. Father, I lift up those who are single, and I pray that they would have a conviction to grow with you for those that are dating to be holy to do it your way. And for those that are married, Father, I pray that they would cultivate and experience your love and your healing in any area they need it. And for all of us, expose the little foxes so that we can name them and get them out of the way. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. May we be the church you've called us to be. May we follow you this week fully. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. 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 If you're a visitor, After you feel released, you can go out to our welcome center. We have a gift for you. Anybody else, keep moving forward. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week.